When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to what will be a, uh, a lot of Rider Rumblings podcasts in the weeks and months ahead. Um, very pleased to be joined today, as we, I will several times uh, over the foreseeable future, for the Murray McCormick, our venerable uh, football writer. And, uh, and we're very honored today to have with us as well the, and I'm sure Ballsy will enjoy hearing this, the new voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Michael Ball from uh, CKRM. Uh, Ballsy, welcome and congratulations. Thanks very much, guys. Now, at, at some point, I've got Kleenex and I've got my sunglasses. I was moving a plant downstairs a couple of days ago and <laughs> scratched wow. my eyeball. So I had to go in and get some repairs at the doctor's office there up on Rochdale. FYI, doctors, thanks to them. And so I may break break into Corey Hart before it's all said and done. Okay, I just want to say that. I thought I thought CKRM was a country station. <laughs> Okay, so then what? I don't know, Keith Urban. I don't sunglasses? know any country artists. Well, Garth Brooks, I guess. I do, but yeah. I don't know if they wear sunglasses anyway. So just want to warn Eric you. Church. In church. Eric Church. Eric Church wears sunglasses. Okay, there we go. That I'm Eric there Church. Go. There we go. Um, we had an agenda prepared for this podcast, and then the Rough Riders usurped it at least to a moderate degree with a with a email that came out minutes before we started recording this on a Tuesday morning. Charleston Hughes is back with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wow. Uh, wow. Who wants this one? Go ahead, First Murray. off, I'm, go- I'm going to jump in there. I don't know where he's going to play. They have A.C. Leonard. They have Pete Robinson. They have Keon Adams. They have Jonathan Woodward, who I know signed with the Chiefs, but may Woodard. be coming back. Woodard, sorry. If I had a nice start to the season. Jonathan Woodard, if he's going to come back. I mean, so where are they going to play him? But he's also kind of old. Isn't he? I forgot to check his age on the press release, but Rob, do you remember? He is a uh, sprite of 38 years old. 38 years of yeah, age. Yeah, I Which, mean. Compared to us, he's very young. I mean, uh, everybody has the Tom Brady thing, right? They, Tom Brady can do it. I can do it. Now, Charleston didn't play a lot last year with Toronto, if memory serves me correct. In fact, I think if we get a chance to ask him, he'd probably admit maybe he shouldn't have left. He should have just stayed here. Um yeah, I'm with you, Murray. I don't know where he'll play. Who knows if he makes it through training camp, but he comes in here. Okay. He brings a nice resume, familiarity with the team. They know him. He knows them. So, uh, yeah. Hey, does it hurt anything? I don't think it hurts anything. No. I mean, if uh, if it pans out, that's a lottery win. And if it doesn't pan out, you move on. Mm. It's a pretty cut and dried 
situation. And sometimes players find out that the grass isn't always greener when uh, they're not wearing green. So this might have been one of those <laughs> occasions too. Yeah. The situation, the, the scheme here was so uh, compatible with what he liked to do. And uh, maybe that wasn't the case in Toronto. Maybe he's, uh, he's proven people wrong before when there's been some doubts about his age. Unlike uh, Murray and I. <laughs> well, I'm in that cat. I'm not far off that category either. Yeah, I mean, he's a good yeah. veteran. I know AC Leonard will probably like having him there because AC Leonard <laughs> benefited from having a younger Charleston Hughes. That's that's the thing, though. He's 38, but maybe not a true 38, 39. Because, like I said, he didn't play much last year. Uh, so, I mean, there was injury problems, and then he got scratched. So, yeah, it adds to the drama of training camp. Isn't last time when the Rockers had a got a got a last time when the Great Cup was in Regina, 2013, the Rough Riders signed a established veteran who turned 38 uh, during the season, I believe, and his name was G. Roy Simon. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a good omen. And I don't know how old Ricky Foley was when he came here in 13 too. He was 31. 31. They had a John Chick that year too, although a lot younger. A lot younger too. Yeah, I think. I, you know, I'm kind of going more because I'm just reading this again. I'm kind of like you guys. It doesn't hurt. And it's kind of nice to report about something that's not labor related for a bit of a bit, a bit of a break, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, we won't get that uh, uh, rest for long because that's on one of the items on my list yeah, for today. Yeah. But before that, I, I'd like to kind of segue into just the, what the key questions are going into training camp. Again, with the qualifier that we're presuming there will be one. At some point, there will be. Um, Ballsy, I'll start with you. Of what do you think is the big, the big question, or the the big questions that are hovering uh, over secondary uh, the team as you prepare to be the voice? Secondary, obviously, uh, they lost a couple of key guys there in Purifoy and Ed Ganey. I mean, you can maybe replace them athletically, although Purifoy was the defensive player. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Mike Adam comes back. We haven't seen what Nelson Lacombo can do. Now, I don't expect Nelson Lacombo to step in and be Luches Pierrefoy, but it'll be nice to see what that Ryder draft pick uh, could do or can do. He, he was much ballyhooed coming out of the U of S. So, so that'll be interesting. Also, along the D-line, D-tackle, uh, that's something, too, that I'm interested in because those two things, it's a marriage, right? You need a pass rush. Uh, to help out your secondary and you need a secondary to help out your pass rush. I mean, football in its simplest form is protect your quarterback and make the other guy's quarterback uncomfortable. So that leads me to my next thing. How will the riders shore up that offensive line? I think that Jamal Campbell signing was a nice under the radar signing. Taron Vaughn, does he come back? How's that shoulder? Does he come back in shape? Because I don't think he was in very good shape before he went down. So I'm interested to see he could be the wild card there too. Murr? I also agree with all of what Ballsy said, so we get that out of the way. Good. Uh, I'm, curious what, <laughs> Sorry. I'm curious about what's going to happen at running back. I know William Powell's gone to the Red Blacks, and which was a, a good signing for the Red Blacks, helps with their part of the game. But we have Jamal Morrow. We have Shaq Cooper, who can both they can both return. They can both play running backs. There's Justin Covington, a guy they recently signed, I think averaged 6.2 yards per carry with, I think it was Villanova. And yep. so they have some good depth there. I wonder who's going to emerge as the running back. because. One thing that William Powell did, and I always like, he could run the ball, he could catch the ball, and he could block like crazy. And was he underutilized a little bit last year? Yes, a little bit. But I still think he was a good player. But I think Jamal Morrow, I've written about him many times at training camp. The guy is going to jump forward and see if he can do that. So running back. And 
because it's Saskatchewan. Let's go with the backup quarterback. Wow. That is Who's a big that is a big guy? deal, Murray. That's a huge deal. Like I'm, actually, you should have started there because you need. <laughs> if you look around the league, guys, uh, Calgary has a great one-two punch, and and I think Montreal has a. I wouldn't say great, but serviceable, solid one, a one-two punch. Outside of that, I mean, if if Cody Fajardo goes down, no disrespect to Fine, whoever whoever's behind there, but we're in some big time trouble. Exactly. So that's what said think- last week when I asked him on draft night if he plans to bring in another quarterback, he says that he do- he does or that he did. We have not yet seen that name. Um, they've they're bringing in Josh Donnelly, mm-hmm. but uh, Ballsy, you mentioned on the sports cage the other day, Donnelly was hurt at the East West Bowl. What is the stat? What is yeah? His I've been trying to look into that. He's um he it's either ribs or some people thought maybe concussion. He's had some concussion problems. I sure hope not because he's had some concussion problems over the last couple of years. There's a kid that can catch a break. But I mean, let's be honest, Rob, he's coming in that internship program thing. So he'll just be coming to camp to hopefully show his wares. I want him to, but generally he's probably coming as a camp arm, get some experience and do that type of thing. But they're going to need some arms and there there should be a fourth American arm, you would think, uh, showing up by, by Saturday or by Sunday. They have to get somebody barring any sort of labor. And I think, you know, it's kind of interesting. Who to believe that we have the Riders that have back-to-back six-foot-seven quarterbacks in training camp with them? <laughs> and I know, Rob, we had Paxton Lynch last year. This year we have Jake Dolagala, who's another tall, strapping guy. I don't know how, how good he's going to be, but kind of a, an interesting. And he's the guy who's vying for the backup spot with Mason Fine, at least based on today's depth chart. Rob, So it'll be interesting to see. Sorry, Murray. See Murray brings doing. up a good point. Rob, who's the last – successful tall quarterback in the CFL. My goodness. I can't um, remember a tall guy that was successful. Yeah, like really, really, really tall. Like we never saw enough <laughs> of it. Like, McLeod Thompson. Isn't he 6'4"? Yeah, I said successful Isn't Murray. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, bo- it bothers me to point out that Joe, Joe Flacco is a, is a tall quarterback, won a Super Bowl in the National Football League, and his brother Tom was in the Ryder camp. Mm-hmm. last year but i can't think of a lot of parallels with with really no. elongated quarterbacks in the cfl generally the cfl has benefited over time from quarterbacks being of more modern dim- dimension therefore being available to the cfl because the nfl wasn't that interested in them we've mm-hmm. seen that shift over the last five to ten years where like a, a kyler murray who once upon a time wouldn't even have gotten a look ends up going first overall in the draft. That was inconceivable yeah, even a decade you're, ago. You're so on to CFL's you're, losing those guys. So the, the tall guys have always gone to the NFL. It's now the shorter guys that it's that are being uh, enticed south of the border as well. Yeah, you're on to something there. And I guess if they were tall and that athletic, they would never make it here. So that's why we don't see a lot of tall guys, right? So Yeah, um, yeah just uh, that is going to be interesting because, I mean, Cody Fajardo has been pretty durable. Uh, very durable. Uh, but that said, when they needed to win a game to finish first in the West uh, Division in 2019, Isaac Harker ended up starting for the Rough Riders that day. And and the way Cody plays the game and plays it with abandon, not always the discretion that the coaches would like, uh, he exposes himself to a lot of hits. And now we're talking about an 18-game schedule as opposed to 14 from last year. So... That's a tall order to ask anybody to go 18, to go the distance in the Canadian Football League. And uh, so at some point, you're going to need somebody coming in. And I'm not sure that that's a problem that's exclusive to the Rough Riders. If you look outside of uh, Montreal, and that situation might prove to be more fractious than productive in Montreal. Um, 
I think you spend a lot of money on on a, on a quarterback uh, that probably precludes you spending a lot of money on a second quarterback. So I think the Rough Riders are alone in that regard. You look at Calgary as an exception with Jake Mayer. Edmonton, who knows who their quarterback's going to be? And uh, BC is an unproven situation. And if Zach Kalaros gets hurt in Winnipeg, they're no better off than the Rough Riders are, perhaps worse. Mm-hmm. No, good point. Hey, which Hamilton quarterback, uh, which, which quarterback, like did Hamilton make the right decision going with Evans over Masoli? I like it. I like it. I I, I think Evans is younger and uh, has got an absolute gun for an arm. And Mazzoli just, he's had that one big year and he almost pulled out a great cup, but I've never been as big on him as a lot of people seem to be. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to be the uh, cure-all for Ottawa. I I think Dane Evans is a nice, uh, uh, nice quarterback and with time will get only get better. Got a great arm. Ottawa better hope Mazzoli is the answer because that's a big key part to their rebuild. And they've done an amazing job. Like 12 guys, I think, are going to start on offense this year. I think I've got Redwoods reading that were from last year. We're making that turnover. We're used to turnover in the CFL, but not 12 new starters on an offense. That's going to be interesting to watch. Who sure. made a case in Ottawa to stay in <laughs> <Yeah>. that offense? <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. And then they, they, I think Deadman ended up taking an NFL tryout, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing could be worse than Dominique Davis. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Whose one brief shining moment was. Don't even go there. I took the, I took the (laughs) phone calls after the game. In some respects, that's going to be something I don't miss. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a fun night on the, on the uh, rider round table. Drunk and irate. Those are two words I could bring up right off the top of my head. Drunk and irate. (laughs) Good luck, Daniela Ponticelli. It's all yours. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, what a great hire, by the way, Daniela. Yeah. I know you heard her on the on the sports cage earlier this week. And just a tremendous person and a tremendous broadcaster. That's that's a really nice uh, uh, one-two punch that's that you got going and there. Sadly, um, it's the first time a woman's been on our broadcast team. I mean, I'm not just a different world, right? We. You never had it, so it's great. It's a breath of fresh air, actually. I'm looking forward to working with her. She'll be uh, with Don Hewitt and Wes Cates, two other great guys. So, the professor is back. The professor is yes. back in the Plaza of Honor, running back Wes Cates. Old sports journalists game. don't die; they just go to radio, I guess. Eh? Yes, yeah, or, or, they, do, or they, do. they do podcasts like Murray and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just going to take a brief break here. If you stay tuned for the second half of this award-winning podcast. Let's try that again, podcast. And that's, this is why Ball's using radio and mm. I'm not. Mm. Uh, we're going to take yeah. a break here and we'll be back momentarily to discuss other issues pertinent to the Rough Riders. We're back here with part two of the Rider Rumblings podcast. I'm here with Murray McCormick and once again, uh, Michael Ball of CKRM, the newly minted voice of the Rough Riders. Uh, we alluded to it a bit earlier in the podcast, not the podcast as I called mm-hmm. it earlier. Um CFL labor situation. Um, I tend to think that there's a lot of uh, smoke that will dissipate by the weekend, but who knows? Uh, the players seem to have some pretty legitimate grievances to me. Um, whether they have the kind of solidarity they need uh, in order to resolve those grievances is, is certainly a mystery. But uh, I'll just throw it out there. What are your thoughts, Murray and Ballsy, on uh, the labor situation and where it might go? Go ahead, Murray. Uh- Training camp is stressful enough without all the other stuff going on around it. I'm quite, I guess I could say nervous about what's going to happen. I don't think, 
I see a little more solidarity solidarity now in the players than I have in the past. And I wonder if they're going to say, we're going on strike. We don't want to deal with this stuff. The, the last offer from the CFL was ridiculous. I think we can all say that. Just There wasn't anything there they really wanted to do. What so about accomplish accepting flaming people? Exactly. So I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen on Saturday. It, I love the CFL gets has these deadlines at midnight Eastern time. Like midnight Eastern time is when the contract comes up. Remember when they used to have free agency deadlines used to kick off at midnight? Mm-hmm. And those things used to have all these crazy yeah, Odell times. Willis signed at 1201, I believe. 1201, yeah. And they <laughs> yeah, no, tamper, no tampering there. Um, I, I haven't seen – I just want to say, I, I don't know if I've seen anything. And I'm looking for something from the CFL part, not the PA, to give me some reason for optimism. We haven't really seen that other than if the players show up, they're going to get fed and, and housed regardless of the strike until the end of training camp. That's the only sort of positive part I've seen from the CFL. I don't know about you guys. Have you seen anything from the other side of the bargaining that makes you feel optimistic? No. Apparently there's a new offer coming uh, on Wednesday, so hopefully that will be one that's grounded in realism as opposed to uh, whatever it was that prompted the powers that be to tender uh, that uh, incendiary offer. Well, 10 years, years, no no, uh, wage hike. There's no way anybody in their right mind would sign that. But I think we got to have it longer than three years. Like, I think a happy medium's five. And with genius sports and betting and everything like that, there's got to be a way we can work together to try to raise salaries. And that's a big underlying story here, fellas. A huge story. Matlin Riley retires. He's a first-round selection of the Riders a couple of years ago. And he takes his university degree in engineering and says, you know what? I'm going to do this instead of play football. My old colleague on the Rider broadcast, Chris Best, an engineer that by the time he's 40 has two, not one, but two hip replacements. And if you ask Chris Best now, he loved his time. He wouldn't trade it in, but maybe he would have left a little earlier to go to uh, the the private world of being an engineer. And we don't pay these guys. Like, look at Adam Mackert. Now, would, Adam he have, Mackert, yeah. would he have made a roster or not? I don't know. But he was a highly touted prospect. He decides to run his family supplement business, a business in Kelowna, probably making around $100,000, which is more than what he'd be locked into as a, uh, as a young Canadian on the roster. Now, you can't cut the CFL down because we're coming through a pandemic. And the CFL's always been a mom and pop league. But you got love the dog in the background, by the way. But you, the dog has the answers. Uh, but the thing is, is uh, you know, we got to find a way to grow the wages. And I've never got this. I'm not against the quarterbacks making the most money, fellas. We we know we need them. They're the they're the lifeblood of any football team, regardless of the league or the the, the age level or whatever. But why are we competing against ourselves? Why are we paying $300,000, to these guys? They're not getting that in the USFL. They're not going to get that in the XFL. That's for sure. Uh, they're not in the NFL because they're not in the NFL. So why don't we say, okay, quarterbacks, the most they make is $250,000. Maybe we can make some side deals for them. And then the high tide floats all boats. The the offensive tackle makes this. This guy makes this. Maybe we can get to a minimum salary of a hundred thousand. Where, oh, okay, that's maybe I'll play football then. You know what I mean? Mer, uh, very good points. I'm not surprised that Matt and Riley actually retired. I thought he had a tough year last year. One game seemed to be hurt all year, mm-hmm. and just to mention, I, I've had two hip replacements in a revision. You had so three. I'm, I'm, 
You're the three, world record holder three. in hip replacement. <laughs> basically three. So Chris Best, I feel your pain, buddy. No, uh, he's got three <laughs> hips. Like he should be in a he should be at the Smithsonian. He's three amazing. Hips. He's amazing. Is there an Olympics for <laughs> yeah. three hips? Because you're a gold medal winner. You're like rich. <laughs> you're like right. rich strike. And here comes McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> Where's McCormick? That's funny. I think there was a Monty Python get... sketch along those lines, but it didn't involve hips. I won't uh, elaborate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right, you know, it's, it's when when you talk to regular people about what they make in the CFL, they, some people just can't believe the salaries are that these guys earn. Like, and I always use Brandon Labatt because I remember once hearing he made two twenty a year as a Canadian, and then an American making eighty grand. And my wife just because just people just can't believe the discrepancy in the in the salaries. And I think Randy Ambrosi, way back when in the global, tried to find different ways to make money for the league. And he's been trying to find and I think they've just about tapped every source in Canada to make more money. I don't know where it comes from, Mike. Maybe you have some idea. Well, I think the betting's gonna help it. the betting's gonna help out, guys. It yeah. just got started. Uh we need to convince these guys to stay in our community, get them some off field jobs. I mean, just take Regina, for example. Like Derek Moncrief, I talked to him. He is done. His NFL dream is done. He he did not going to try anymore. Yeah. He loves Regina, marrying a local girl. He wants to set up roots here. He'd be a perfect guy, Rob, for a nationalization of an American. If it's four years, one city, one team, I'm okay with that for one a team. But I don't like to yeah, see. I'm fine with one a team. Yeah, and I don't want. I don't. But I don't like to see backdoor. Not, let's get rid of Canadians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. But we need to find a way to keep these guys in our community because the best heyday the riders had since I've been alive was from about 2006 to 2013, 14, give or take a year or two. And we're seeing remnants of that with the guys that are going into the plaza and those guys, well, look at Mike McCullough is still in our community. Uh, Ken Miller and his wife, she was the first lady. They were entrenched in our community. We need to get back to that right across the board in the CFL. And it starts by trying to get these guys some more money because and a 10-year deal and a 10-year deal with no raise. Like, come on. And you know what? I, Listen, I don't want to get too carried away, but both sides, it's like you're in the Titanic and you see the iceberg and you're like, there's the iceberg. Oh, the band's playing. Let's keep drinking. No, no big problem. The iceberg is right there. It happens every three years. We hit the iceberg. Uh, uh, nothing's going to happen. We're still, listen, cash flow low. Do you think CFL, do you think any side has leverage? Nobody has leverage. We got to play. And, and and I think the solidarity of the CFLPA may not last as long as this podcast does. <laughs> no, let's face it. Nobody grows up, or at least a, a significant majority of the CFLPA membership that's currently constituted does not grow up wanting to be a member of the CFL Players Association. And that's not intended as a slight against that organization, but the Americans, they want to be members of the NFL Players Association. This isn't an aspiration for a lot of them. And Basically, the CFL is a means to an end. So they're looking at it. They want to. They want to get in here. They want to play. They want their career to move along. And 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 not only that, they don't have the treasure chest that a lot of no. uh, unless you're Paxton Lynch coming in here last like last year. They don't have the treasure chest that a lot of a lot of players would who are members of players associations, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL. So. There, there would be fissures within that within that uh, organization, despite everything they say and everything they try to promote. Within minutes of a strike being declared, and they know this, and the league knows this. 
And so if there's a strike on a Sunday, it would be over by Monday morning. Yeah. I How agree. are the guys selling this to their to their wives and families back in the States? They're saying, I'm going up to play football, which is not a big money maker, but the wives agree. Yeah, I go up, continue the dream and stuff. But I may be on strike and I may not have any money. How do you sell that to them? I, I just I kind of feel for the players and how that life has got to be. You got to deal with keeping the dream alive with a strike, with uncertainty, all that stuff. And I always wondered how they, uh, their wives, and they have, usually have a couple of kids and jobs and stuff. And I wonder how they sell that to their uh, respective families. Yeah, it wouldn't be easy. Know. It might be easy for a couple of them who make the big time money. But other than that, it's, it's, I mean, the whole life's not easy. Even coming up, you're playing minor and the exchange rate, taxes, yeah. all that type of stuff. You're playing really for the love of the game. But guys, the only person with worse luck than Rob Vanstone is Michael Ball. So here's the deal. I've been, I've wanted to be the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders since I was throwing the ball to myself and commentating games in my own head when I was six years old. Okay. Listening to Ron Barnett and John Lynch with the radio on in the garage. The Riders are getting their butts kicked by the Eskimos. This would have been 1979, right in the nice uh, midst of the heyday with the El with the Eskimos then now the Elks and I'm listening to them get crushed but I'm making up the game in my head and throwing it to myself and doing that here's what's going to happen I scratch my eyeball I'm like oh my god my vision's gone I'll never be a I'll have to be the one-eyed play-by-play guy so ballsy your vision's okay you'll be okay oh that's great now the league goes into strike mode and the league is wiped out <laughs> sleepless nights you haven't put yeah. on the shades yet, Ballsy. Are you going to see the shades today? Are you going to yeah, be okay? Sure. You want me to go with the ZZ Top look? I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I know. I'm going to tell you, I have an older brother. I had an older brother who cut his eye reading a newspaper. It slipped and it cut his eye. He yeah. ended up with... How does... Uh, oh, a newspaper, even if some of the words we write are sometimes sharp, how does the, uh, how does the uh, uh, newspaper have the necessary characteristics we never figured that out but he came it's out from newsprint i know he caught there's the no staples the i know and he was a he was a diabetic too so that's pretty serious stuff i'm diabetic i am diabetic it's, and they i'm said, diabetic too you're outvoted Murph. <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's you gotta you gotta watch that ballsy that's that's serious stuff eyes when you're no i know eyes and feet and that's and that's yep. guess what when this podcast is done and the wwe sees it Rob Banstone and I will come to the ring with our manager, Murray McCormick, and that'll be our tag team name, the Diabetics. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I hope I never join your team then. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, you've seen some of those old uh, old matches from the 70s involving Al Abdullah the Butcher and that yeah. where there's just gore and everything. Well, Ballsy and I will will contribute to that by pricking our fingers to test yeah. our blood sugar. <laughs> well, that's what we'll do. You, know, you remember, <laughs> you used to watch Stampede Wrestling. I would watch with my other grandpa. We would watch CFL games and we would watch Stampede Wrestling, two religious things. And so every match on Stampede Wrestling for like six months in a row was Cuban assassin against Mr. Hito. And the ref would get distracted. That's what Murray will do as you're in the ring getting beat up. Uh, Murray will distract the ref and I will come in with our insulin needle and I'll jab the guy <laughs> and we'll, that's how we'll win. That's our finishing move. All right. I think, I think Here's Rob my left. little uh, blood test. Okay. Thingies, so. Okay. 
We should yeah, have a. You should. You know what? You, next. You know what you guys should do. Got a sponsor built in. You know what that you guys should do. Like Price is Right from now on on this uh, this the Rider Rumblings podcast with Murray and Rob. If you have tickets to a Rider game, they have to guess your blood sugar without going over. <laughs> It'd be the same in my case as guessing my IQ. <laughs> they are guessing my weight. <laughs> Uh, how did we get onto this topic? Hey, this you're is, with this me. Is this is, <laughs> guess what? This is how the rider broadcasts are going to go. It's going to be like Harry Carey. I'm going to miss a quarter and a half, and Luke will have to reset about what what happened. Remember Harry Carey tell all those Chicago Cubs stories on oh, yeah. the, and then his color guy go. And back in the fourth, the Cubs hit a grand slam. And <laughs> <laughs> are you going to wish everybody a happy birthday? Yeah, that's or right. A happy anniversary. I or probably a- will. I probably will. You know what? Uh, Whatever. Just don't lean out the booth and sing anything. Oh, no, please. I won't. No, I can't sing. No, I can't sing. Well, yesterday you had the you had the Red Blacks announcer on. Yes, and he talked about the, all of his issues with uh, Ukraine, which yeah. was outstanding. Yeah, great. great listening to AJ talk AJ that. I kept thinking, when are we going to get to football? When are you going to get to yeah. football? And, and as a pro, you said football's not that important right now. This is more yeah. of a story than anything we can talk about. And AJ did a great job. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, it was good. Sometimes, you know, we get labor talks and we talk about the same thing. It's great to have a guy because it's, I don't want to go down that road because we're not talking about, but it's been a weird war. Like it hasn't really been because the U.S. isn't really involved. Canada's kind of not involved. So it's not like you're on the ground, boots on the ground. So we hear about it, but it's kind of just been it's kind of just there, unfortunately. So I wanted to talk to a guy that was there, that has roots, that is really embedded. So yeah, sometimes football takes a backseat, right? Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk to talk about, we've alluded to it at various points earlier, was the uh, recent appointment of Michael uh, Michael John Ball, right? Mm-hmm. Is that your... Yeah, that's right. I, remember, so, I, I got a laugh out of that in your podcast when you said it, uh, referred to the three first names. Yeah, I sound like a serial killer. Michael John Ball, John Wade Gacy, Michael John Ball. Yeah, thanks, mom. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I I I'll, I tell you what, guys, it is. It's still hard to believe. Like when you guys mentioned that when you when you um, introduced me as that, but it's weird. I've been doing <laughs> I've been doing rider broadcasts for twenty years. This is my twentieth year involved in a rider broadcast in some form or fashion, either. Uh, helping Jeff Courier cut up clips, doing pre and post game shows, sidelines, all that stuff. Okay. Um, you wouldn't believe how many people have come up to me and congratulated me. And I'm not saying that like, Hey, look at me. It's, but I was like, I turned to my girlfriend, Christina, and I said, they do know I've been on the broadcast for like 20 years. <laughs> like I'm the first voice they heard. And the last voice they heard actually with Daniela taking over with Don and Wes, they're probably in terms of listening time guys, they're going to be on more than me. Cause the actual play by play guys only on for about three and a half hours. They're on maybe four, they're on for four and a half, five. Like we have a nine hour broadcast. So it's crazy. I, I once had somebody congratulate me for being on television once. And I thought I've been doing my job for like 35 years. Yeah. Like, and I go on TV once and they want, somebody wants to give me a, bouquet of flowers it's it's an interesting uh interesting gig this media thing it certainly is but i am i am just to just to reiterate i'm very happy very proud to do it um and i'm excited to do it if it, like it's it's something i've always wanted to do so i get to scratch an itch there's not too many guys that get a chance to do what they've always wanted to do in their life like this is a bucket list thing for me i can cross this off even if it lasts one year one game i fall out of the booth trying to sing something at least i got a <laughs> chance to do it and uh, not a lot of guys can can say that and i got to do it in my hometown 
Like when I went to broadcasting school in Mount Royal, I know everybody will say that. The guy said, what do you want to do? You want to be a voice of the Edmonton Oilers? Do you want No, I want to be the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's what I want to do. That's, That's cool. interesting because I, I mean, I grew up in Regina and I wanted to do what Bob Hughes did. And I'll never pretend that that I am a, I, uh, I will do it even remotely as well as Bob did, but that's my job now. And it is really cool when, when you dream of something and, and you put everything that you have toward the attainment of that goal. And then you end up to do it, end up being able to do it in your hometown. And I never lose sight of that. Every time I walk into the stadium or into a sporting venue, I'll look at the, I'll look at the sign and it says brand center or, mm-hmm. or mosaic stadium, whatever. I'll go, thank you, Bob. Yeah. And because uh, that that's kind of the dream I had. So we're getting really corny and maudlin. But again, yeah, Murray, you're, you're outvoted, Murray, because you're from Ontario. Yeah, I've only been here since 1982. So I guess I'm really not not really that entrenched in Saskatchewan <laughs> as much as 40 some odd years. So I guess I'll I thought just it was 1882. It feels that way. Is that, is that what you I'm, always, I'm just going to. Is that what you always want to do, Murray? Is that, all, is that what you always want to do? Be a writer? Did you always want to be a writer? Uh, not really. I just love sports and then it's a long story. And one day I fell into a sports writer's job. Like literally this guy asked me, he said, I just, he was going through the interview says, I'll hire you come out to score a baseball game. And he hired me. And that was, he said, it was so impressed that I was willing to drop everything to go up because do a job that somehow I became a sports writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And awesome. I love it. It's actually, and I'm, I'm on the downhill side. Everyone knows that I'm not hiding anything. Turned 65 on May 1st. So, uh, but I'm not leaving you, so don't get no. too excited yet. You do, you by the way, you met, Mar- you met Rocky Blyer. I want to know about meeting Mark Rocky Blyer. Murray's a lifelong Steeler fan. I know he is. And, uh, I, sat with Murray, I sat with Murray watching the 2005 Super Bowl when they beat the uh, uh, Seahawks, oh, Seahawks yeah. in the in the uh, Ford Field there, or Ford, whatever they call it, with, uh, yeah, yeah. with, uh, with uh, 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 Bill Cower, Super Bowl there. I watched that one yeah. with you. You were there four so, seasons. Quick story, I'm walking down a ramp, and I was, we're in Vegas for my 65th birthday, and Rob was covering the draft, and I had a Steelers shirt and a Steelers hat on, and this guy was walking by, and he said, do you want to meet Rocky Blyer? And I, went, I looked at this was at the NFL draft, to put it all in context, and I said, what? Sure. And he introduces me to Rocky Blyer, and Rocky Blyer and I stand there talking, and Marion's taking, my wife Marion's taking some pictures, and she said, why did you stop my husband? Because he says, he looked like the certain of a certain age that would remember who Rocky Blyer was. And I thought that was so cool. And we talked for 10 minutes about oh, being Steelers fans. And there's another guy, John Banachek, who played tight end, offensive line a little bit. He's he was defense, there too. Defensive lineman. Yeah, was he? Okay, I thought, cool. Yeah, yeah I thought. Yeah, anyway, we, we talked for a while too. So it was just this cool experience at Vegas. I know, I think you've been to Vegas once or twice, haven't you, Ballsy? Never, never been to Vegas never? in my oh, life. I you no, had, really? No, no, I know, I know, I know. You'd think I would be, but uh, nope, never been I to highly Vegas. recommend. Just one, two things about Vegas, bring your wallet and go in shape because there is lots and lots and lots and lots. My funny Vegas story is one of my buddies who will remain nameless was telling me about the chicanery, tomfoolery and skullduggery that went down when he went with a bunch of his buddies. And I said, (laughs) how was the trip? He said it was perfect, except the donkey wouldn't fit in the elevator. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's always been, that's always been out there. Like I can't wait to go to Vegas and see the donkey fit in the elevator. You know what I mean? It's a city of mystique for me. I don't know. I feel like it'd be ruined oh, now. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to Kelowna in September for my godson's wedding. And we decided we don't want to leave the dog behind. So we found pet friendly hotels, basically from Regina to Kelowna and back. I'd never heard of a donkey friendly 
hotel before. That must no. be quite the place. I don't even want to go there. I, I might, <laughs> I might, uh, I, I'll tell you guys off the air. If I tell you the story, you'll, this thing will get canceled. So let's just stick with donkey right. wouldn't fit in the elevator. Okay. Well, I want to hear this. I'm going to interrupt you guys. I want to interrupt you guys. Cause we're getting kind of late. We got to talk about the Plaza of Honor. Oh, I know absolutely. Yeah. Seat. And I'm thinking of the three guys, Weston Dresser, Mike McCullough, and Ken Miller, and my interactions with the three of them. I just wanted some more thought. Mike McCullough was a go-to guy for me, and I hope he peace. We had as reporters, you get the guys, you've got to get the posts, you've got to get the insights into the game. Mike was always that. Didn't look always that happy about seeing me, and we had some moments together because Weston Dresser, we all know what he did. But the thing about Weston Dresser that always impressed me, he never took a practice off. He never took a rep off. And I always said to guys, I'd meet Rams and stuff, and they'd come up and chat me. He says, what do you watch at practice? He says, oh, I watch Weston Dresser. And I said, regardless of your position, watch Weston Dresser, and you'll see why he does the things he does. And Ken Miller, I was laying in bed last night thinking about Ken Miller and our interactions over the years. And we had some moments, too, and Rob had them. And, and Ken could be kind of gruff, and, uh, but he was all – I kind of thought – I learned from Ken Miller, even of the players. The players will tell you how much they learned about to be a nice human being, to be friendly, to, to understand things. And I really look back and appreciate what I did with Ken Miller. And just I remember in 2009, him and Maureen are walking up the ramps after the field goal, after Damon Duvall's field goal beat the Riders. And I never saw two people so sad in my whole life. And my heart just ached because I thought, here's a guy who deserved a great cup, had won a great cup. And then didn't. And I still can picture that picture in my mind when he's walking to the press box, him and Maureen just, and they're, they're wonderful people. And it's a good on the Plaza of Honor getting these three in there. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun on August 19th, Rob. August 19th. Yeah, at and, halftime uh, when they'll be formally in inducted in the Hall of Fame. And Ballsy, you had Ken on, uh, well, you had all of them on, but you had, you, you, you had Ken and, and Mike McCullough on. And, uh, and uh, Ken was talking about the 13th man and, and was very honest with you on, on Monday saying it still haunts him. Time doesn't heal all. daily basis. Yeah, time doesn't heal all wounds, Rob. That's a, that's a very, uh, it's, it's funny. I talked to Mike McCullough about that when he lost his son. I said, does time heal all wounds? He goes, nope. Anybody that tells you that is lying. Time doesn't heal all wounds. You just learn to deal with it. And that's the same thing with... Uh, with our buddy Ken Miller there, uh, that that's terrible. And, and, and Murray hit it right on the head. If there's one guy in rider history that deserves to win a gray cup as a head coach, it's Ken Miller. When you think about it, guys, this team has won four gray cups. Okay. And it's history. Yeah. 2007 was one, was one of those gray cups. Okay. They had the season of broken legs when, and I asked Ken Miller on that show, if they would have settled for Darian Durant as their quarterback, they probably, who knows, they could have won the Grey Cup that year, but they settled on Michael Bishop because a certain GM wanted Michael Bishop to play. Ken kind of said it without saying it. Uh, the same GM that traded Kerry Joseph and Ricky Ray, he's had a history of making trades like this, okay? Then 2009, the only team that wins a Grey Cup, the only team that wins a champion, like they led the whole way and still lost the game crazy yeah. and and then <laughs> 2010 they lose they could have won seven eight's debatable but nine and ten for sure they could have won three and four years like that stretch there since i've been alive rob uh 49 years from 2006 
to 2013, 14, give or take uh, a Darian injury on a on a really no play against the Winnipeg, and then the the down year there when uh, Greg Marshall is in there. Um, they really <laughs> that was the best stretch of football since I've been alive for the Rough Riders. What does it say? What does it say about Ken Miller though? In that he came out of the 13th man <clears throat> game with an enhanced reputation. Now that would a game like that would be an absolute career ender for a lot of coaches, especially if they're rather cantankerous or not very popular. But because Ken Miller being the man that he is and, and the respected individual that he is, I think the, the response to Ken by and large was more sympathetic than vitriolic. Well, I told And I think that. it actually strengthened the bond between mm-hmm. uh, the Ken Miller and, and the fans and the organization and the fans. And it also galvanized the team because they, to this day, have not given up who the 13th man is and they never will there's theories but uh um nobody's ever pointed a finger nobody's ever scapegoated anyone and i think it was actually a unifying uh situation and that all goes back to the foundation established by ken miller and the ethos of ken miller and the integrity and he emerged from that not losing his job but by being a more popular coach than he was before the game and they only blew a Grey Cup game more flagrantly than any team in history. That, to me, is a testament to Ken Miller. Not only that, that's a team that went 10-7-1 facing a 15-3 and football team that Anthony Cavill quarterbacking in. And they extended that team to the absolute limit. And they put up with so much tor- turmoil during that 2009 season with a first-year full-time starting quarterback and they finished first for the first time in 33 years. That, too, is a testament to Ken Miller. So I think you need to put the 2009 season in context. And uh, and there's there's a lot there to extract from it and applaud. And that is principally because of Ken Miller. Well, you didn't. <clears throat> Ken Miller was the grandpa. You couldn't get mad at Ken Miller. Even when he – I love when he's on the sidelines sometimes and he's just looking out. And, and you're thinking to yourself, what is – like, if he's – did I leave the sprinklers on at home? <laughs> It's kind of the look he had. My favorite Ken Miller story was they're in Hamilton and and Mike McCullough and Chris Zarka yell at him, challenge, challenge, challenge. Pulls the challenge flag out, throws it on the field and goes, men, what am I challenging? That comes right from Mike McCullough. That's hilarious. Did he, did he win? <laughs> they won the challenge too. Because I guess Zark and McCullough told him what it was. He goes, Men, what am I challenging? As and you're right, you're right. Whenever I you know what, when people call the show, the call-in show, they still reference 76 and Gabriel's touchdown. More I was at that game. Yeah, it okay. Hurt. So guys like you, McCormick too, probably, even though he got here in 82, so he wasn't that ingrained here. But we, we talk about the 76 Grey Cup. More than we talk about that one. And to me, that was more egregious. But it was the Ken Miller factor. You had a, oh, Grandpa Ken, I feel so bad for him. Oh, my God. But And, and it went it went away in two days. If this was like New England or somewhere, we would be burning things down. We'd still be talking about it. But it's like it's like the dream season on Dallas. It's like it didn't exist. Bobby, Bobby Ewing, Ken Miller in the shower. Let's move on to 2010. You know what I mean? No, it's uh, – I mean, I've said it before, and I've said it somewhat uh, – uh, I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but it was the worst day of my life to the Tony Gabriel catch until my dad died. 
Mm-hmm. And there was nothing that was even close to being number two, that Tony Gabriel day. And part of it was the Rough Riders was the, the Rough Riders were almost as favored to win the 76 Great Cup as Montreal was to win the 2019 Great Cup. Ottawa wasn't a bad team, but the Riders had a really strong team there. Ronnie was the MOP. They'd gone into Ottawa that season and absolutely cleaned them. So there really wasn't much doubt that uh, the Rough Riders were going to win the Grey Cup against Ottawa, and then for that to happen. So I think that factored into it too, is you've got that expectation of the win, and then it's pulled out from under you. Uh, yeah, it certainly built up in, 2000 and, in the 2009 Grey Cup to the point where you thought the Rough Riders were going to win and in fact had won. But that would have been an upset of, 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 of I guess I'll use the word you referenced earlier, ballsy Titanic proportions. Uh, 20, 1976 felt like you'd just been robbed of something. I was 12. And, I cried. Anthony Cavill likes to point out that the Alouettes were trailing in that game and came back to win. 27 He likes to remind me of that stat that he says, you uh, Western writers forget about that, that we did come back with a big fourth quarter. And he is kind of right about it. So Yeah, he is. We, didn't yeah, run the, we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't run the – ask Wes right. Cates. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't run the clock out. That was the, that was the issue right there. Yeah. I think we've run out the clock on this podcast. What a smooth segue by me. Um, so I would like to uh, thank especially Michael Ball for joining us and wish you all the best of luck uh, in the decades ahead as the voice of the Rough Riders. Uh, uh, decades uh, might be a stretch, but I, but I hope it's yeah. at least 15 years. Decades might be a lot. <laughs> Got to keep checking well, my good, blood sugar. Good luck, in the, good luck on the 23rd of May anyway. <laughs> Uh, Murray, thanks so much. It's great to see you again. And uh, yeah. maybe I'll actually see you in person before uh, uh, before too long. We'll see you on the 23rd. Well, of May. the 23rd, Pardon. May 23rd. And, uh, and you got to read the outro, Rob. I've got to Sent read the outro. With a bang. Somebody will, will be uh, very angry at me if I don't read the outro. So here it goes. Uh, and I hate doing this when there's a professional broadcaster on the podcast because I feel like I'm being critiqued. Uh, but uh, who's that? Feel free to give me a grade that's higher than my blood sugar walls. Okay. Ballsy. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review at a five star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can you can email me at rvanstone@postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can follow me at on Twitter at, at Rob Vanstone or Murray at Murray LP. Ballsy, where can you be found on Twitter, radio, uh, at every, the, every other medium that you... Uh, at The Real Ballsy is where you can find me on Twitter, uh, Sports Cage on Facebook. You can follow us. Our show is 4 to 6.30. And I can't wait to hang out with old 3-Hip McCormick at training camp. <laughs> <laughs> well... We'll see what it's like. It's it's work, buddy. It's work. Bring your work oh, boots I thought and you your just, good eye. I thought you just get the camp out. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. We just camp out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you'll, uh, I'm, while you guys are slogging it out of training camp, I'm going to take two weeks holidays and sit around with the dog. So. Oh, nice. There we go. Yeah, Thanks for dog. having me, guys. I appreciate it. it. Yeah. See you, Ballsy. See you up in Saskatoon. Ballsy, Murray. Uh, I'm Rob Vanstone. That was Candy, and we'll do this again real soon. Thank you so much for your time today, and take care. <laughs>